As we were reading in the last class, the Sri Ramakrishna's interaction with the Brahma devotees while traveling by boat on the Ganges, on the Ganga River, and Keshav and Vijay, <coughs> they are also present. <coughs> so when the question of renunciation came, <coughs> in the last class we found that a Brahma devotee he asked Sri Ramakrishna, Sir, cannot we, can't we realize God without complete renunciation? And then we found that the master with a laugh, or that what he replied, of course you can. Why should you renounce everything? You are all right as you are. <clears throat> Following the middle path, like molasses, partly solid and partly liquid. Do you know the game of Nux? Having scored the maximum number of points, I am out of the game. <clears throat> I cannot enjoy it, but you are very clever. <coughs> some of you have scored 10 points, some six <clears throat> and some five. You have scored just the right number. So you are not out of the game like me. <clears throat> the game can go on. Why? That's fine. <clears throat> As in the last class we were indicating, it is not that Sri Ramakrishna really means that the complete renunciation is not required. That most of us, when we hear of complete renunciation, we get scared. But even in the Bhagavatam, very nicely it has been mentioned that who is a devotee? That who is neither too attached to the worldly ways of life and the one who has not totally renounced? Someone in between. That the attachment is not too strong, nor he has that extreme supreme renunciation. So most of us will find that we fall in that category. And for that, devotion is the best path, bhakti yoga. 
that those who, is, those who are extremely attached to the worldly ways of life, karma yoga is the nirvinninam, nirvinnanam karma yoga. So, jnana, uh, uh, those who are nirvinna means those who are totally detached from the world, for them the jnana yoga is there. Those who are attached to the world, for them karma yoga. And the one who is na ati, ati sakta, means na ati asakta, not totally detached, it's not too much attached, not totally detached. So for them, bhakti yoga, even in the Bhagavata, it is mentioned, and Sri Ramakrishna also we find is indicating that this thing, that's the thing. But you did not have to renounce, you start your journey. At present, just try to maintain both. It's okay. But as you progress spiritually, you will find that a little devotion is gradually becoming something which is overwhelming. And then the attachment for the world automatically falls off. It's the process of sublimation. You need not suppress. You sublimate your emotions, channelize your emotions to the love for God. As Sri Ramakrishna indicates in the gospel in some other place, more firieda to change the course, the same love, the same passion, the same attachment which we feel for the world, that has to be directed towards the God. And the more we can do that, we will find that this love for the God is going to become overwhelming. And the love for the world will automatically fall off. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the more you go towards the East, the West automatically falls behind. And that's the thing which we were discussing in the last class. So let us now proceed to the, the following discussion. I tell you the truth, Sri Ramakrishna is saying, there is nothing wrong in your being in the world, but you must direct your mind toward God, otherwise you will not succeed. So well, you will not be bothered about your attachments. Let they be, they be there, but try to introduce the love for the God, devotion in your life to a small extent. Because Sri Ramakrishna knows that it is such a thing that in due course, that this is the thing which will increase, the other thing will follow, fall off gradually. As Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also used to say, that a Harinam Nite Nite, Bhakti Mukul Fudvichite. If you go on just taking the name of the Lord, try to associate yourself with the divine, think of Lord as much as possible, whenever it's possible. There's a nice story which is not in the gospel, in some other place it's mentioned. That Sri Ramakrishna was returning from one of the Brahmo prayers to the Kshineshwar. And on the way, there was the residence, there was a house of the Ayurvedic doctor, the Kaviraj, who was supposed to give some medicine to Sri Ramakrishna. Now, as he was busy, he couldn't come to the Kshaneshwar to deliver that medicine. Now, as Ramakrishna was passing by that way, he asked the horse carriage to stop. And, and then 
the one, uh, the, there were two, one was the master and Ridhar. They were accompanying him. So he asked his nephew Ridhar, please go and collect the medicine. You just go to the doctor, the Ayurvedic doctor. Most probably the medicine uh, is ready. He has just kept it, but he couldn't deliver it. You just go and ask, he will give the medicine. So bring it. So now as the horse carriage was stopped and the cabman knew that it would take some time for Rida to go collect the medicine and come. And now just to release the horse a bit so that they can relax a bit. So he removed the buckle, the chains. And the horse immediately went to the side of the road and there was some grass on the side of the road. And his horse started nibbling on those grass. Seeing that Ramakrishna, the master of examples, immediately told Master Masha, M, a very interesting allegory. What he told? Just see, the horse was buckled. The moment it was released, immediately it went to the side to nibble on the grass. Similarly, we are all as if tied to the samsara, buckled to samsara, to this our worldly way of existence. Now and then, we too are released. We do get some times. Don't forget to nibble on the glass, grass. Means don't forget to remember God. That's the thing that's grazing is the thing which is comparing with taking the name of the Lord. Don't forget. So though the world has totally engaged me, whenever I get charged, I go, I just go to the seclusion, if not possible in the physical sense, at least in my mind, I withdraw myself and try to associate my thoughts with the divine. So this is the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is asking to all of us. But try to do that. If it is not possible to think of the Lord always, at least whenever you find time, a chance, think of God. That itself will help us to transcend this world of dualities in due course. This little practice is going to become something like a, a over this at present it is just like a narrow stream it will become a flooding river in no time go on doing it so that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is saying what he's saying then do your duty with one hand and with the other hold to God after the duty is over you will hold to God with both hands so that's the thing so when you are doing your duty don't forget God when you're doing your duty, then also keep a part of your mind. Try to keep a part of your mind in association with the divine. And of course, when you're having no work, then try to totally immerse in the thought of the divine. So where your thought is, that's where you are dwelling. We need not have to die and go to heaven. Even in this life, each and every moment, we can be in companionship with the divine. If we can keep our mind in association with the divine. So we need not think of any future attainment. The spirituality can become a 24 by seven whole time affair. 
if we can develop this faculty of remembering him, keeping a part of my mind with the divine in all our activities throughout the day. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. Now Sri Ramakrishna speaks about the importance of holy compact that he will be speaking now. So what he's saying, it is all a question of the mind. Bondage and liberation are of the mind alone. The mind will take the color you dye it with. It is like white clothes just returned from the laundry. If you dip them in red dye, they will be red. If you dip them in blue or green, they will be blue or green. They will take only the color you dip them in, whatever it may be. Haven't you noticed that? If you read a little English, you at once begin to utter English words, foot, it, wit. So just, master was just merely mimicking the sounds of English. Then you put on boots and whistle a tune and so on. So what happened? The moment you study English, that all the tricks which uh, we find manifested in the behavior of the English-speaking people, automatically you find you are getting tainted by all those, or you are getting dyed as if with all those behavior patterns. So that's how we are built. Our mind easily gets colored wherever it dwells. So then you put on boots and whistle a tune and so on. It all goes together. Or if a scholar studies Sanskrit, he will at once rattle off Sanskrit verses. If you are in bad company, then you will talk and think like your companions. On the other hand, when you are in the company of devotees, you will think and talk only of God. So this is the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that now and then it is very, very important. It's a very vital thing to cut off from your day-to-day -day activities, find some time, and to spend that time in some holy company. Because that's the thing, that environment, that's the thing which will give you an advantage. You will naturally, your mind will be dyed with it. As in the scriptures, they say, Tirthi Kurvanti Sadhava. But all the holy places, they haven't become holy by itself. They were not built in the heaven and throne in this earth. As generally, the notion is that all the mythological stories says that all the places of these holy places are somehow associated with the divine. And all the mythological stories indicate that. But the real reason for the Tithas having that very, what you say, that strong spiritual vibration is not really that all that all the mythological stories which uh, are related. <coughs> the real reason is that for ages, so many sadhakas, the spiritual aspirants, have went to that place exclusively to do spiritual practices. And it is this their thought verbs that has created that wonderful spiritual vibration there. 
And so when anyone goes, they naturally get the advantage of that. So that's the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, that go to the holy places and try to get some, uh, that is what you say, the, the association of the divine, of the holy person, because the mind will be naturally dyed, will be naturally colored in wherever you place it. So, so after saying that, try to keep the mind in the divine. Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that now and then go to the holy company because by your own effort, when you're trying to keep your mind in the thought of God, when you're doing your day-to-day -day activities, you will find it is the sansara which is tainting your mind because the mind gets tainted where you leave it. So now, however you may try, it becomes very difficult. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that if you stay in a room whose walls are painted with the suits, you know that in the olden days when they used to light the lamp, after some time, the wall of the glass uh, will get layered with some suits, black suits. So if you paint a room with the suits, however cautious you may be, you are going to be tainted by the suits. So that's what our day-to-day -day worldly life is. But as we are in that environment, our mind is bound to get tainted. So it's extremely essential that we cut off for some time from that type of environment and keep our mind in some holy environment so that the mind now is cleansed and also gets attuned with all those holy thoughts and holy vibrations. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, the importance of the holy company. So in the mind is everything. Now so the Sri Ramakrishna is saying that everything is in the mind. Bondages of the mind, liberations of the mind. The mind is everything. Now what he's saying, the Ramakrishna again, this gives these examples, sometimes are very, very to the point, very precise to the point, what he has to say, he says directly. What he's saying, a man has his wife on one side and his daughter on the other. He shows his affection to them in different ways. But his mind is one and the same. So it's the mind. So that's the affection to the wife. That's a different type of affection to the daughter. The parental affection is different. It's the same mind where you are keeping it. When it is in association with your partner, it takes the emotions uh, which are generated is as per the circumstance. When it is with your children, then as per the circumstances having a different. So the circumstances plays a great role. As we say that even in the present psychology, they say the mind is not just a single mind. It is just a conglomeration of innumerable mental modules. And at, at any moment, only one module gets activated. Each of these mental module has its own stimuli response conditioning. Like you find that we are grown up and now suddenly I meet my school friend. Suddenly I will find that I forget all my position, my status in life. I just become a school student for the time being. Everything I forget. Again, as if I have become that school student, the moment I meet my school friends. 
So the association is something which activates the mental modules. As for the circumstance as a module which is activated, it has its own particular specific stimuli response condition. And you're bound to behave that way. So that's why association, circumstances in which you are, plays a very important role in spiritual life. Bondage is of the mind and freedom is also of the mind. A man is free if he constantly thinks, I am a free soul. How can I be bound, whether I live in the world or in the forest? I am a child of God, the King of Kings. Who can bind me? If bitten by a snake, a man may get rid of its venom by saying emphatically, there is no poison in me. In the same way, by repeating with grit and determination, I am not bound, I am free, one really becomes so. One really becomes free. Even in Bhagavad Gita, that's the idea that what is your sraddha? That's what you are. Sraddha mayo ayam purusho yat sraddha saevasha. In the 17th chapter, the third sloka that speaks, Bhagavan is speaking that all the people possess faith. And whatever is the nature of your faith, that is what you are. So if you can assert strongly that I am free, I'm not bound, you will find that that's what your mind is getting attuned to. And that becomes your nature. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that say emphatically, with determination, with grit, that I'm not bound, I'm free, one really becomes so, one really becomes free. Then Sri Ramakrishna is now indicating that once someone gave me a book of the Christians, I asked him to read it to me. He talked only about nothing but sin. To Kesha, sin is the only thing one hears of at your Brahma Samaj too. The wretch who constantly says, I am bound, I am bound, only succeeds in being bound. He who says day and night, I am a sinner, I am a sinner, verily becomes a sinner. So that's the thing, what you think that you are. If you're constantly thinking negative, you become that. So say that you just think that, yes, whatever I have done, that's over. I cannot replay, this life has no replay button. I cannot just change it, it has happened. But I am what, at, I have the full control of the present moment. I have no control over the future, what is going to happen. I have no control over the past. I have full control of the present. So why just dwell on the past and just go on saying I'm a sinner? Because that is something which is in the past. I cannot change it just by repenting that I'm a sinner. You're not going to change what has happened. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm going to, uh, I'm, uh, what is it? I'm going to go to hell. That is also not in my hand. What will happen in the future? I don't know. The present is in my hand. Why not try to choose the way of life 
which speaks of gradual transformation. So even in English, though the word sin is used again and again, but you know, it's very interesting. Even the word sin, the etymological meaning of the word sin is something very interesting. We use it in a very negative way, but the etymological meaning of the word sin is that we all are perfect. Perfection is our nature, but somehow we do not strive to attain it. Lethargy, in this indulgence and all those things comes into the picture and doesn't allow me to realize my potential. So in that sense, the word sin is having some positive implication. That yes, I can, I have the potentiality to be perfect. I have the potentiality to realize my inner, inherent divine nature. But there are some hindrances, some deterring factors, which is not allowing me. So if I use the word sin in that sense, then it is positive, but we generally use in the negative sense, what? That there is no way out for me. I have done so many wrongdoings. I just sit down and cry thinking there is no way out of me. There is no way out for me. So in that sense, Sri Ramakrishna is criticizing that this idea, but what's the use just saying, I am sinner, I am sinner. As he used to say, very interesting. Uh, another interesting allegory used to give. Suppose a room or a cave is dark for thousands of years. And someone enters the cave and strikes a match. Will it take another thousand years for the room to get lighter? Immediately it gets lighter. In spite of the fact that it was dark for thousands of years. It won't take another thousand years. So the moment you think that I am not a sinner, I am a devotee of God, I've taken the name of God. How can there be sin? Once I have taken the name of the Lord, sin cannot reside in me. If you say that I am a sinner, but I am a, a devotee of God, that means you don't have the faith in the transforming, the redeeming power of the divine. How can you be a sinner when you are just taking the name of the Lord? The Lord is the Redeemer. And the moment I take his name, I get purified. So these two cannot go hand in hand. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that one should have such burning faith in God that one can say, what? I have repeated the name of God. And can sin still cling to me? How can I be a sinner anymore? How can I be in bondage anymore? So I say the God is a Redeemer. And again, I say I'm a sinner. These two ideas just clash. How can it be that if he's a redeemer, how can I remain the sin? I can remain a sinner. I've taken his name. His name itself has the, is the purifying factor. It purifies me. It overhauls my personality. It cleanses me. So I cannot be a sinner anymore. If a man repeats the name of God, his body, mind, and everything becomes pure. Why should one talk about sin and hell and such things? Say but once, oh Lord, I have undoubtedly done wicked things, but I won't repeat them and have faith in his name. So these are the very important words. 
If I have real faith in the name of Lord, and I realize that I have done some past misdeeds, there are some past misdeeds in my life. I am aware of that, but I have not taken the name of the Lord. I got cleansed, and I know that God is the Redeemer. So then how can I repeat anymore? It is just repeating after repenting, repeating the same thing is just like swallowing one's own spit. You have spit it and you are swallowing back. So faith is something which shouldn't allow us to repeat the same thing. Once I have the faith in the Lord, that my faith should transform me. Otherwise, that faith is no faith. It is just a mere words. It is not something which is felt from the bottom of the heart. Once that real yearning for the divine comes, for God comes, and you feel that the, your life has to be transformed, that you no more want to dwell in the old ways of living, then that thought of the God is bound to bring immediate transformation. So that's what, that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. Lord, I have undoubtedly done wicked things, but I won't repeat them and have faith in his name. Whereas as in the Naradeya Bhakti Sutra, it has been Narada Bhakti Sutra has been mentioned, that Mahat, that the association of the holy person is Amogha. Amogha, the word Amogha is very important. Amogha means his result is bound to happen today or tomorrow, not for certain. As that story, you all know that Girish, when went to Sri Ramakrishna and told that I have done so much of sin, there is no way that I can be delivered. And then Sri Ramakrishna immediately got excited and told, you rascal, do you think an ordinary water snake has bitten you? You have been bitten by a deadly cobra. And now you may run. Just suppose that I am about to be in the paws of a tiger and I escape. I can escape. Though I am a bit injured, will be badly injured, but I can save myself once I am far away from it. But if it's a deadly cobra and it has bitten you already, can you save yourself just by running away? No. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. That you have been bitten by a deadly cobra. Now you may go to the top of the Everest or to the bottom of the ocean. You may go anywhere. You're going to die. So what's the idea? That once you have the association with the divine, it is bound to cleanse you today or tomorrow. Be very certain about it. Have that certitude. That I have taken the name of the Lord. My life is going to transform. Have that patience. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, the entire spiritual journey can be defined with three P. Purity, patience, perseverance. Have patience. Know it for certain. The love of the God or association with the divine. The ones I think I find the need of God in my life. My work is done. Know it for certain that that itself is this need for God in my life, this itself is going to transform my life. Sometimes it may not be perceptible, but know it for certain that it is 
the process has already started. The process of transformation has already started. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, that spiritual transformation is not like torrential rain. The rain is falling, you can see that the ground is getting wet. The rain is falling and you can see. It's not like that. Then what is spiritual transformation like? It is just like the falling of the dew drops. When it is fallen, I have not noticed. I go out to walk on the grass barefoot and I find it is drenched. So it has fallen unnoticed, but it has drenched my personality. It has drenched my individuality, my, my, this, my, my individual existence. So when it has happened, may not be perceptible. As we give another example, that a stone lying on the bottom of a riverbed over which the water is flowing, the current of the river, because of the current of the river, the water is flowing. The rock is coarse rock. And at any moment of time, I look at the rock, there is no change. There's no change visible. But after 100 years, that same rock, you will find it has become smooth. Something fluid like water flowing over a hard surface like rock in due course can smoothen it. All the angularities are smoothened. That's what God's name does in our life. It may not be perceptible, but it's gradually flowing through the hard surface of your mind as if the angularities of our mind are gradually getting smoothened out. You're also becoming like a, that smooth, that rock, gradually. So you should have patience, you should have perseverance, that once I have taken course to this way of life, the transformation is bound to happen. Let me have the patience and perseverance. I shouldn't simply sit down and go on crying that there is no way out for me, I'm a sinner. That's, if you are in a dark room, just merely crying, oh darkness, go away. That way the darkness won't go. I have to somehow manage to get a matchbox and a matchstick and strike it. And immediately, immediately the room will get slighted. So simply crying that I am a sinner is not going to help us. Think of God. That is the way the thought of the God can rekindle our soul. It can illumine our soul. And that's the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. Sri Ramakrishna now became intoxicated with the divine love and what he discussed just uh, his, sang his song which reflects the ideas which he was just conversing. What he sang, this, this Bengali song is Ami Durga Durga Bole Mahajadi Muni. So there's a translation which is uh, mentioned in the gospel is, if only I can pass away repeating Durga's name, how can thou then, O blessed one, O blessed one, withhold from me deliverance, wretched though I may be. So how, however wretched I may be, I have taken the name of Mother Durga. You are bound to bless me. So that's the conviction that song speaks of. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of. Then he said, to my Divine Mother, I prayed only for pure love. I offered flowers at her lotus feet and prayed to her. 
Mother, here is thy virtue, here is thy vice. Take them both and grant me only pure love for thee. Here is thy knowledge, here is thy ignorance. Here is thy knowledge, here is thy ignorance. Take them both and grant me only pure love for thee. Here is thy purity, here is thy impurity. Take them both, mother, and grant me only pure love for thee. Here is thy dharma, here is thy adharma. Take them both, O mother, and grant me only pure love for thee. So what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating here, that take dharma, take adharma, that adharma taking away, I understand, that take away dharma, that taking away ignorance, I understand, take away knowledge, what is actually indicating? What is indicating is something that idea we find in the Narada Bhakti Sutra. There is a sutra, the eighth sutra in Narada Bhakti Sutra. It says, Nirodha tu loka veda vyapara nyasa. That what is uh, abstention, abstention? It means renunciation of the dictates of the scriptures, the Vedas, and loka, the society. We will find that what has kept us in the path of righteousness. It's the dictums of the society in the form of government or dictates of the church in the form of religious commandments. That's the thing which keeps us in the track. Then is it, then why Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of transcending that, that you take away my dharma, you take away my dharma. So the idea is, speaks of the devotion. When you have devotion, then you need not have to consciously just think of abiding by dharma and relinquishing a dharma. If you have devotion, then whatever you do will be conforming to dharma. You don't have to think of it. So that, that's the thing he's indicating. That take away my dharma and adharma means I need not be aware of this dharma and adharma. Just, give, just let me have love for thee, pure love for thee. Then what happens? The other things will automatically take care. As Sri Ramakrishna in some other place has mentioned, an adept dancer can never have false steps. She's an adept dancer. Dance has become something spontaneous. Whenever she is dancing, even if she is not fully aware of the rhythm, her steps will always be in rhythm. She never will have a false step. What actually it indicates? That with an example, <clears throat> we can try to understand. So suppose in a hostel, in a residential school, in a hostel, you will find that throughout the day, there's a very, very punctual routine. Everything is uh, this bound by routine and the students have to follow. It's a something Just one minute. I think there's some little internet dis, uh, disruption. Yeah. So now it will be okay. So if in the hostel, the route, why the protein is there? So that the students can be disciplined. 
that most of the students we find doesn't have a natural inclination towards studies. So unless we bind them with that punctual discipline, punctuality and discipline, they will be wasting their time in all sorts of activities, which actually speaks of distraction. So that routine helps them to keep them bound in discipline and spend some time, spend their time fruitfully. But if some student has developed the love for study, for him, the routine becomes immaterial. Whether the routine is there or not, his love for study will automatically do him or her do the thing which he or she is supposed to do. Because he has developed the love for the studies. So for him, all the do's and don'ts, all the disciplines, becomes immaterial. It's not that he's not following. He's following, but there is no need for someone who, uh, to be vigilant about that whether the student is following the routine or not. His love for his studies will automatically make him follow the routine spontaneously. So now you will understand that when Sri Ramakrishna is saying that that take away your dharma, adharma, and take away your adharma, take your knowledge, take the ignorance. What is actually speaking? That all those things, knowledge, dharma, they are all meant, they are the means, the aim, the ultimate aim is what? To develop love for the divine, devotion for the divine. If I get that, then what's the necessary for taking care of the means? Because I've developed the love for the divine. The other things will be spontaneously followed. If I have love for the divine, then my life, whatever I do, will become the guidelines for other as dharma. The spontaneous way of my life is something which is to be followed by others. If you don't follow, for them, that will be adharma. So you, what you do, that becomes just that becomes the dharma, that becomes the do's for the society, commandments for the society. So that's, that's how, you, you know, it is not the question of transgression, it is the question of transcendence. So that's the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. So these are the words, so simple, but sometimes uh, if you don't think deeply, it's real meaning we won't understand. But we will think, why he's saying that give up my virtue, Everyone wants virtue. Yes, you take my vice that I understand. Why should I take the virtue? Because I want only love for God. If I have love for God, the virtue will just follow me. I need not have to follow virtue. Knowledge will be spontaneously revealed in me. I need not have to seek knowledge. If I have de developed the love for the divine, my life will be guided by dharma spontaneously. I need not have to go after dharma. Dharma will follow me. So that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. It's not the question of transgression. It is transcendence. I have developed love for something higher. So all these things have no relevance in my life anymore. Now listen to a song by Ramakrishna. So now Sri Ramakrishna will sing a song, whatever he has was conversing. Those things as a nutshell will be spoken of in his song of Ram Prashad, so that now Sri Ramakrishna 
will be singing. And he's saying that now listen to the song by Ram Prashad. So he starts singing. What's the song? Come, let us go for a walk. Oh mind, to Kali, the wish-fulfilling tree. I am on Bhairatijabi, Kali Kalpaturu Mule. So that's the song in Bengali. So that's been translated here. Come, let us go for a walk, oh mind, to Kali, the wish-fulfilling tree. And there, beneath it, gather the four fruits of life. So what Ramprasad is saying, these four fruits of life, by saying this, by four fruits of life, he means the four Purusharthas. The God can deliver the four Purusharthas. What are they? Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. That in our life, just as a Brahmachari, as a student in a young age, the Dharma is the Purushartha. That's the time, the only thing is Dharma. It's not in the old Vedic society, it was not this gathering information which, which speaks of education. Education was to transform your life, like how you develop the soft skills, how that in your life at every moment you're guided by the dharma. They have been somehow as if implanted in your heart, in your mind. You never transgress them. So that's the thing as a student, we go for dharma. And as a grihastha, then after dharma comes artha and kama. That in the Vedic society, that earning wealth and enjoying the sunset pleasures of life, these were not discouraged. Okay, if you have the inclination for that, go for that. But your pursuit, the pursuit for artha, for your pursuit for wealth, pursuit for the sense of presence of life must be guided by dharma. That's why as a student, dharma was important. That you develop that moral fiber which guides your life. With that, now you go for the pursuit for wealth, for the sunset presence of life that won't disintegrate you. With this integrated, perso integrated personality now, when you go on in the course of your life, a time will come when you will find that you have reached a plateau. That as a human being, we cannot live without purpose. But I have now the purpose is already attained. I wanted artha, I wanted karma, everything I have got. And now that the yearning for the higher values of life, the liberation, moksha, spiritual attainment, that naturally comes. If we have, what you say, that we have lived the course of our life, which was guided by dharma. And with that, I have earned money, I have. Uh, resorted to the so-called the sense of presence of life, but dharma was the one which was guiding factor. So that dharma never allowed me to disintegrate my life. It was an integrated life. If that's the course, then in natural course, that the yearning for the higher values of life is bound to come. That's the moksha. So 
for all this thing here, the devotee is saying that mother alone, she is the wish, wish fulfilling tree. If you have devotion, this dharma, artha, kama, moksha, all this naturally follows one after the other. So, mother is like the wish fulfilling tree. So, go and stand beneath her and gather these four fruits the dharma, artha, kama, moksha. That's what these four fruits is the four purusharthas. And then what is Ramprasad is saying? Of your two wives, dispassion and worldliness. Now, if you know a person has two wives, generally there is never uh, what you say that uh, any friendship between them. They're always inimical towards each other. That's the jealousy works very in general, 90% or 100%. In most of the cases, you will find they're inimical towards each other. So that's why means they're always repelling each other. So here, that's why Ramprasad is saying that the two satis, the two wives, what are they? Dispassion and worldliness. This can, these two can never be together. Nivritti and pravritti. Dispassion speaks of getting detached from the worldly way of living and worldly speaks of tremendous attachment. These two can never go together. So that's why the two wives, Ramprasad very nicely has spoken of is the dispassion and worldliness. Nivritti, pravritti, jaya. The two wives, jaya is the wife. What are they? Nivritti and pravritti. So, so of these two wives, take dispassion with you. Bring only dispassion along on your way to the tree and ask her some discrimination about the truth. So wherever dispassion is, discrimination is bound to follow. If you're tremendously attached to the way of life, we become myopic, short-sighted. We forget that it is not going to stay with us forever. So naturally you lose discrimination. You take something impermanent as permanent. So with dispassion, the discrimination is bound to fall. So that's why Ramprasad is saying that if you, with your wife dispassion, if you go to that tree and then you ask your son discrimination, so dispassion son is discrimination about the truth about the spiritual. Once you have the discrimination, naturally you will be inclined to know the truth that if everything is a flow, everything is impermanent, what is the thing which is permanent behind this flow? So that's the truth which you will be seeking for. So once with the dispassion you go to the wish-fulfilling tree and you ask yourself discrimination about the truth, and that's how the truth will be revealed in your life. When will you learn to lie or mind in the abode of blessedness with cleanliness and defilement on either side of you? So what is speaking that when the more we get attuned to the divine, to the inner consciousness, the more the dualities of life fall off. This external cleanliness, defilement, as we were speaking of just now, like dharma, adharma, these are the things which 
speaks of the preparatory stage. But if I develop a life love for the divine, those things we transcend, they become meaningless, irrelevant in our life. So that's why Ramprasad is saying that they are like the two companions with whom you can sleep together, this cleanliness and defilement. What is meaning that as you have transcended, as you have transcended, that you, uh, when the more you get attuned to the divine, then you see the divine in every field of life, in everything you see the divine and divine alone. It's a question of deification. This is the thing that, that uh, with which the Isha Upanishad starts, that Isha Vasyam idam sarvam yat kincha jagatyam jagat. That if this entire creation is a projection of the divine, then how can there be something which is unholy? Everything is holy. If I can see the divine behind the projection, I don't see the projection, I see the divine behind the projection. So there's a very nice story that a, a, a sadhu who was apparently a mad person came to Dakshineshwar and Sri Ramakrishna realized that he is a realized soul. So hearing from Ramakrishna, Rida, his nephew, hearing from Ramakrishna that he is a realized soul, one day he went to uh, become the disciple of that mad sadhu. The sadhu was leaving Dakshineshwar and Rida was running after him. And Rida asked that how to attain that highest spiritual illumination. And the sadhu never wanted the, to be associated with the world. He was to avoid Rida, he was running away. But as Rida was asking repeatedly, the mad sadhu told something very interesting. Pointing to the dirty water of the dread, he told that when you see the dirty water of the drain and the water of the Ganges, both equally pure, know it for certain that you have attained the truth. Because everything, nothing can be, that's why in Durga Puja, when uh, this, our rituals are wonderful, that when the mother is, that Mahasnana, the mother is bathed with so many ingredients, all those ingredients speaks of our interaction with the day-to-day -day world. So many things are there. Even some unholy things, so-called so -called, apparently unholy things are there, that you have to collect some uh, soil from the, and this, what you say, the uh, courtyard of some courtesan, courtesan of some ill-reputed woman. What's the idea that if you are using it for bathing the Divine Mother, then wherever you are, if you have any association with such place, you are going by such place, instead of hatred welling up in you, oh, these are our places where the, these people of uh, very lowly persons are staying, instead of that type of idea, the thought of the Divine will come, oh, this is the soil which is used for the Mother's worship. That's why this to defy the entire world, these rituals were developed. That whatever you see, you see the divine in it. So the question of holy and unholy falls off. When you see the divine behind it, that the story we tell again and again, that how the rituals helps us, that 
a novice when he was doing the worship for the first time and he found the use of the perfume, he thought it to be a distraction because the smell of the perfume makes him think of some social gathering where all use that perfume. So he has just left his home. So it makes him think of some association in the past and that distracts him. And he was puzzled why such things are used. And then after he started his ritualistic worship for some time, now he went to the marketplace to buy some uh, fruits for the regular offering. And as he was in the marketplace, he was passing through the shop, the perfume shop. But the same smell of perfume, which used to distract him a few months back when he started the worship, now he found a wonderful change. The same perfume makes him feel calm, tranquil, and not only that, he feels that as if he's sitting in the shrine, worshiping the divine, that the holiness, he feels it, that all those thoughts come even in that noisy marketplace. So what has happened? By associating the divine with that smell, gradually the mind has changed. The same smell, which was the cause of distraction, now became the cause of communion with the divine. So that's the idea which Ram, this Ram Prashad is saying he saw, that when oh, you will be sleeping with these two wives on his cleanliness and defilement by either side of you, only when you have found the way, it's only when you have realized the truth, then only it can happen. After realizing the divine, now you see the divine in each and every corner of the existence, in every and each and every point of this world, external world, I see the divine and divine alone. Wherever my eye falls, I see Krishna and Krishna alone. As Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to say, that when someone complained, Mahaprabhu, that that you 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 just uh, don't maintain distance with a so-called ill-reputed person. You go and embrace all. And Mahaprabhu used to say, what can I do? Jatra jatra netra pohe, tatra tatra krishna spure. That wherever my eye falls, Krishna pops up from there. I see Krishna only. So that's the idea, that cleanliness and defilement on either side. When you sleep, knowing for certain, you have found the way. To keep these wives contently under a single roof, will you behold the matchless form of Mother Shama? Then only you can see the Divine Mother when all the so-called dualities in the form of cleanliness and cleanliness has vanished from you, holiness and holiness has fallen off from you. You see the divine projected in each and everything. Ego and ignorance, your parents instantly banish from your sight. So, Avidya and this Ahankara. So these are the things that are your parents. Get rid, them, get rid of them immediately. Actually, what is speaking this ignorance is the grandparent actually, and ego is the parent because the ego is the product of ignorance. So ignorance is the grandparent and ego is the parent. From that, this sense from the ego comes this limited sense of individuality, which doesn't allow me to be one with the divine. I get localized. So that's why this ego and ignorance Ram Prashad is saying are the parents. 
get rid of them and should delusion seek to drag you to its hole manfully cling to the pillar of patience so just he's speaking of the spiritual practice also it is not easy to get rid of ignorance and ego go on trying with purity patience perseverance tie the post of unconcern the goats of vice and virtue this word unconcern is very important that don't hate the vice and don't be too much attached to the virtue because golden chain is also a chain that when i think i am that very righteous person that also creates a type of ego so don't be attached to virtue and don't hate vice but be unconcerned be indifferent because as we found that what you think that you are if you constantly think of vice if that becomes part of your nature you become what you think so that's why unconcerned not hatred or attachment tie the post of unconcerned the goats of vice and virtue killing them with the sword of knowledge if they rebel so this the goats which are used for sacrifice is we spoken of as the vice and virtue and their sacrifice is with the sword of knowledge so as the same idea that the when you attain knowledge then vice virtue has no meaning the automatically your life will be spontaneously whatever you are doing will be virtuous vice will automatically fall off so with the sword of knowledge you kill those goats with the children of worldliness your first wife plead from a distance that again the the unconcern the idea which was spoken of that's been again spoken of by the word distance dur hote tai bujhaile means be indifferent not hatred again because don't hate hatred is a negative attraction what you hate that you think of that more intensely than the object of your love you will find hatred is more intense than love so hatred is a negative attraction so don't hate dur hote tader bujhaibe means be indifferent and if they don't listen drown them in wisdom see again that same idea the more you go towards the east the west automatically falls off so you need not have to get rid of them the more you get established in wisdom they automatically get drowned in it they automatically get drowned in the ocean of wisdom they disappear so that's the idea which ramprasad through his song is actually speaking of the entire spiritual journey so says ramprasad if you do as i as i say you can submit a good account of mine to the king of death means there won't be any more rebirth this avidya kaam karma chakra will fall off so this song is very nice so this the thing which sri ramakrishna is singing through this song is trying to indicate that what are the practices what is the orientation we need to get established in our spiritual identity so we will continue uh, with this the remaining portion of the song and the remaining portion of the conversation again in the next class so with this we stop our discussion today thank you all namaskar